0: Ooh, what is this? I brought you keftas. Have (gasps) you had them before? I know. I think I might have had them a super long time ago, but what are they again?
1: So I discovered them while working on this episode, and I promised to explain what it is later in the show.
0: Oh, it smells so good. By the way, going forward, we'll be switching off with the reporting. This week, Christy is taking the reins and introducing us to halal food in Las Vegas. Are you ready? Yep. Let's start the show hi everyone welcome back to spicy eyes we were a podcast about food and culture in las vegas i'm sonia and i'm christy first of all we
1: wanted to say thank you so much for the love we've gotten so far thank you to everyone who's listened
0: and is listening and thank you so much to our fellow las vegas podcasts wild and free and faces and aces for the shout outs we love you guys
1: in this episode, I wanted to learn about halal, or meat prepared according to Islamic law. I have some Muslim friends here in town, and I've never really gotten a chance to ask them about it. Are these your friends um, somewhere in Souf? Yes, they're amazing. So Summer is a writer. I met her because she was interning at Desert Companion late last year. And Suf, uh, which is short for Sophia, we met at Camp Anytown, which is funded by the Interfaith Council of Southern
0: Nevada, where she's still a leader. That's awesome. So we did a little more research into the Muslim population here in Las Vegas, and we learned that Las Vegas is home to more than 20,000 Muslims, which is actually a pretty small proportion of our two million residents.
1: Islam is actually the second most popular religion in the world after Christianity, so Muslims are super diverse and come from a ton of countries across North Africa,
0: the Middle East, and Southeast Asia. According to the book More Peoples of Las Vegas, local lore has it that the first Muslims to move here were a trio of Moroccan acrobats in the early 1960s. Also in the 1960s, the Muslim population grew with the arrival of black Muslims in the nation of Islam. Around the same time, Muslim students from India, Pakistan, and Bangladesh came to UNLV to pursue higher education.
1: And more recently, Lebanese, Persian, Bosnian, Somali, Indonesian, and Filipino Muslims have moved here. It's an incredibly diverse population.
0: I actually didn't ever think about how diverse that is. So, okay, Islamic law, including halal, is something that they have in common. So my question for you now, Christy, is what is halal?
1: So to answer that question, I went to Masjid Ibrahim in the Northwest. By the way, Masjid is the Arabic word for
2: mosque.
1: It's this beautiful, understated beige building with stone accents and Arabic words inscribed around the entrance. There are various descriptions of God and it turns out the Islamic tradition has 99 of them.
2: Halal is an Arabic word which just means lawful. So it's a word that's used in non-food context, but it's also used in food context, in the in 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 sense of what Muslims are allowed to eat uh, according to the religious laws.
1: That was Shamsuddin Wahid, the imam of Masjid Ibrahim. An imam is an Islamic spiritual leader.
0: Okay, so for Halal then, what are the rules?
1: Well, basically, it's a process. So seafood and vegetables are halal without needing any special treatment. But meat must be processed in a particular way. Here's Shamsuddin Wahid
2: again. What normally happens is that the, when the animal at the time of slaughtering is that uh, it's slaughtered with the, name, with the name of God. God is the greatest. And, they, and it, is, it is preferred for the animal to be facing the same direction that Muslims pray and in this case facing the direction of Makkah.
0: Interesting. Are there any other requirements?
1: Yes, so I looked up some United Nations guidelines and there are a few big ones. Um, for one, animals have to be conscious at the time of slaughter, they have to be killed quickly with sharp
0: devices, and the cause of death should be blood loss. Who? so I definitely know a lot of people who wouldn't want to hear all these details. I
1: get it. But, you know, actually, halal is meant to be a more humane way of consuming animals. Um, Halal animals have to be treated well, they can't be given antibiotics or growth hormones, and they can't be stunned before slaughter. Um, But that last part is a little controversial.
0: Oh, why is that?
1: Well, basically, people disagree on what constitutes a humane death for animals. So, religious leaders oppose stunning animals, but it is a standard in the industry that is considered humane. Uh, That being said, Temple Grandin, uh, the famous animal scientist, says halal
0: slaughter is humane when done properly. Gotcha. Okay. So, if halal means lawful or permitted, then naturally, like, my question is what is not permitted?
1: So the opposite of halal is haram, which means forbidden. And that includes pork and alcohol, which are the big ones, but also carnivorous animals and amphibious animals. The list is actually pretty long. If you're interested, we'll link to it on our website at Spicy Pod.
0: So OK, so it sounds like halal is pretty similar to kosher. Exactly.
1: And it's interesting because when halal isn't available, kosher is the next best thing. Um, Shamsuddin Wahid said that some Muslims interpret halal pretty liberally.
2: Among Muslims, there are some uh, differences of opinion as to what constitutes halal. So to give an example, uh, there is a there is an opinion that the, the animals, that uh, the food that is produced by our Jewish and Christian brothers, mm-hmm. that it is likewise lawful for Muslims to eat.
1: That basically means some Muslims are fine with shopping at non-halal grocery stores, which is a good thing because Las Vegas didn't have a halal market until the late 90s or early 2000s. Um, our friend Summer's parents, they moved here in 1988, and they had to go out of their way to buy meat. Here's Summer. Yeah, specifically they would go to California and they would either meet in the middle with like a friend who lives in California and they would kind of exchange or just so they wouldn't have to go all the way or they would just go all the way and like, you know, buy meat in bulk and have that last for as long as they could. But California wasn't their only source of meat. They also ordered in bulk from Michigan, which has a large Muslim community in Dearborn near Detroit. I think the, the reason they would do that is just because the shipping cost would be so high that they would be able to, at least being able to split it with other people would help a lot. Um, so yeah, they would have huge packages shipped through cargo, like, and they would have to go pick it up at the airport and everything. Um, so it was a very interesting way of having to shop for their meat.
0: That's amazing. I mean, that's some real dedication. So is the situation any better now?
1: So it turns out for a city of our size, um, halal isn't all that easy to come by in Las Vegas, even now. Uh, There's not a single halal slaughterhouse in Nevada, so markets still mostly buy their meat from California. And while there are definitely restaurants, the choices are still kind of limited. Um, For that reason, some Muslims eat mostly vegetarian or pescatarian, while others forego halal altogether. Oh wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, so for example, Summer eats meat only on occasion, and my friend Sophia doesn't eat halal at all because it's expensive and hasn't always been available in the places she's lived. If it was there, we couldn't afford it. It was really not there, so I grew up just eating like chicken, McDonald's, all that good stuff. Um, And it was not halal food, but I still didn't eat pork. So I ate like, like not halal chicken. So leading me to the United States when I moved to the age of 15 in Las Vegas, again, nothing here. Um, if you do
0: go to like a meat place, you have to pay more. So I just never ate halal. So just how much more expensive is halal meat? So a
1: whole halal chicken at Effendi is $1.99 per pound versus a non-organic chicken from Smith's, which is about $1.19 per pound. Um, for a six-pound bird, we're talking about $7 versus $12. So it's it's pretty
0: significant. Right. And that's like Today's prices. I mean, who knows how much more expensive they were years ago when halal meat was less accessible here. Right. I'm sure it was more expensive. Is there any penalty for not eating halal? Like, is it just considered a personal choice? What's the deal there? Here's what the imam had to say.
2: I think it depends on who you ask, right? So uh, I think a goodly number of Muslims, uh, myself included, uh, strive to only eat that, as far as meat goes, is that which has uh, been... Uh, slaughtered in God's name. Well, like I said before, there is another view that, that says that any non-pork item or, or non-alcoholic item that uh, is, uh, for example, prepared or slaughtered by Jews and Christians is equally lawful for Muslims.
0: But it does sound like people are pretty steadfast about at least avoiding pork and alcohol. You're right. It's because pork is considered unclean and Muslims are supposed to avoid mind-altering substances. I get that. And, you know, also, frankly, pork and alcohol seem like they might be a lot easier to avoid because those things are usually pretty clearly labeled, whereas it might be harder to tell if beef, for example, or maybe some cheese is halal or not right um non-halal ingredients can definitely sneak into food rennet which is
1: sometimes used in cheese is haram unless it comes from halal animals And, and so are animal fats unless they come from halal animals and that's why eating out at a halal restaurant is just
0: easier all around if if you eat halal gotcha makes sense so next question where can you get halal food in las vegas There are a few markets in
1: town. So there's Mediterranean Market, another place called Sidra Market, um, Aladdin Market, and Effendi, which also has a restaurant. Um, Two Lebanese brothers opened it about 10 years ago, and it's a total family operation. Um, The owner and his wife work there alongside their kids and their nephews. So Fendi is this little shop on Charleston, just west of Decatur, and when you walk in there's this wall of jars to the left, it's kind of like this fortress of like pickles and grape leaves and tomato paste, and on the right there's a small meat counter and they also have fresh produce in the back. Um, their kitchen has this giant oven with rotating racks that can cook like 18 lambs at a time. What? I know, it's amazing, I want to see it in action one day. <laughs> Um, there's always soccer playing in the restaurant, and Haider Karoni, the owner's son, told me they cater to lots of Middle Easterners.
2: Well, Effendi, we want it to be kind of like a, a, like a diverse Arabic culture thing. In Arabic, it means tangerine, hence the tangerine head. And uh, in the Turkish language, I think it means like sir, like a gentleman almost. So we mix them together and we put the top hat on the tangerine.
0: Uh, so that's where that cute logo comes from. Okay, so to explain, this logo is like a little tangerine head uh, with a face that has a pointy mustache that is wearing a fez. It's super cute.
1: And kind of needs explanation. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah, it's it's
1: really cute and really clever. Um, I go to Effendi for lunch sometimes, and I highly recommend the combination plate. It comes with a chicken kebab, a beef kebab, and a Lebanese beef kebab called a kefta, which is what I brought you
0: amazing it's so good
1: it is so good um the chicken is slathered in the smoky tomato and red pepper sauce that they sell in the store and the kefta is loaded with super fragrant cumin and allspice um the mom bakes for the restaurant too they have baklava and a lebanese pastry with the best name
2: it's called lady triceps if you want to translate it but it's that's not the name of it they're actually called Znudset.
1: Um, It's basically phyllo dough wrapped around a cheesy
0: filling and topped with jam and dusted with pistachio crumbles. So I think we have to be careful to note that halal isn't like a cuisine. It's a way of slaughtering meat.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. So tons of cuisines use halal meat because, again, uh, Muslims are from all over the world. So here in town, I've heard of halal taco and empanada shop to halal pizza places and U.S. fried chicken, which makes all kinds of halal fast food from fried chicken to burgers, beef ribs and more.
0: So, Christy, one thing I've been wondering is... If it's difficult living in Las Vegas as a Muslim, I mean, after all, our Sin City reputation stands for things that are forbidden in Islam, like drinking and gambling. Right.
1: So Las Vegas doesn't have a great image in a lot of religions, and Islam is no different than that. But I asked Summer and the Imam, and they told me it doesn't really bother them.
0: Um, I also asked the Halal Guys, since they have three franchises here in town. Right. Halal Guys is that... Huge international chain. I actually read in Eater that the Venetian location was the first halal restaurant in a casino in the U.S. I talked
1: to a Halal Guys PR rep, Justin Bartek, and he told me that only five to ten percent of their customers are Muslim. I asked if the casino location was an issue.
3: Uh, We we definitely they had the conversation, but I I think they got the blessing of the founders uh, when when the deal got on the table. Um, You know, we run into the same thing because a lot of people who discover our food. Are in New York late night, sort of after the bars. So there's this whole subset of people that, you know, oh I had it when I was when I was drunk, you know, whatever. So it's like we acknowledge that in a way where it's like, yeah, we get it, but you know, we don't sell alcohol. Um, you know, there's it's a little bit of a, a slippery slope, but not much. I mean, it's um, we're, we're, what we're really trying to do is just get our food out to the masses.
1: He actually said Las Vegas is an important market.
3: You know, in my in my opinion, if you if you're not having our food at the cart in New York for the first time, Vegas is probably number two on that list just for the you know, a world traveler or you know, someone on vacation. So it's very important. You know, the Las Vegas locations are very important to us.
0: That's so interesting. You know, I wonder if it's helping normalize halal food in America, you know?
1: I think it is. Uh, Their website says that it's the third most rated restaurant on Yelp. And as for Las Vegas, it's interesting that Halal reaches so many people in a place that might be
0: considered haram. Right. Especially while drinking. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Okay, so now that you've done all your reporting on Halal, Christy, what were your takeaways? Um, You know, I didn't know a whole
1: lot going into it, but I really have a lot of respect for it now. Um, I think that keeping
0: halal makes people really consider where their food is coming from and what they're eating. And that's a good thing. Definitely. Okay, so now the important question, where is my lady tricep? Well, actually... (gasps) (laughs) Ta-da! Yes! (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Oh my gosh, it is a beautiful pastry. Oh Mm -hmm. my gosh, okay. Um. Never feel good. Mm. So while Sonia
1: is eating, here's a mini segment we're putting into each of our episodes called the Daily Nugget. It's basically an audio postcard of something delicious. This one features Brett Boyer. He's a pastry chef who started a company here in town called Desert Bread.
0: What are you like listening for? The sounds you look for in
3: this loaf. I mean, I want to hear that crust. So my style of baking is just to get the razor thin crust so that when you refresh it in your toaster, you're just getting this like Mm -hmm. crackle and then you're into that bread. Mm -hmm. So I think we should just taste some,
0: right? Oh my God, those bubbles. That's beautiful.
3: You also get really good at cutting bread.
0: So, oh, um, thank you, <laughs> um, and thank you, listeners. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and/or Google Play.
1: Yes, that really helps people find us. And we're at Spicy Eyes Pod
0: on social media. We put up photos and links on our blog at spicyeyespod.com. Special thanks to Jeremy Klumbicky, our music man, Jeff Shide, our photographer. Maureen Adamo, who designed our logo and website, and our friend Brent Holmes, who showed us Effendi and also introduced us to the very delicious Lady Triceps. Tune in next time to hear Sonia's report on Hawaiian food and why Las Vegas is called the Ninth Island. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.